Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson, and we are back for the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. And Skeeter, we're coming back after a little bit of a break. We're headed to Mexico. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we had an RBC uh, Heritage, and we had the Zerk Classic, a couple of interesting events. Um, I know one thing, uh, I'd love to get your take on what your what your takeaway is from those two events, but I will say this first and foremost. My main takeaway from RBC Heritage was uh, John Rahm doesn't take a break like I thought it was another player, and boy, he was dead serious about it. It's his job, and he was there to play, and uh, that's a scary thing when it comes to uh, him competing week in and week out the rest of this year. Yeah, um, you know, he had a quote. I'm going to go find this because I actually – tweeted something about yeah it was um why he didn't withdraw from the heritage his his response i made a commitment earlier in the year and i want to honor that commitment i put myself in the shoes of not only the spectators but the kids if i was one of the kids i'd want to see the recent masters champion play like you want to talk about like instant respect there that was just mm-hmm. immediately like yes uh i wholeheartedly agree man uh i think another thing he said was it's my job was like uh, just a straight quote from him uh, at at one point too. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's there yet, but has is he going to surpass Rory for like the the true representative of the PGA Tour? Yes, without question. Yes, because that I, in happened, my mind, I that think happened I, not necessarily when he won the green jacket. It happened the next week at RBC Heritage. Yeah, when Rory withdrew, and, and, and he lost $3 million, apparently, and there's people, like, saying, oh, well, he needs to, they should, he should get that money back. I'm thinking, no, I mean, look, you know the rules going in. I mean, if he's legitimately injured, that's the one thing, but, you know, you know the rules, and, you know, when you kind of, when you take off the Tournament of Champions, you know, which, I, by the way, if I was ever fortunate enough to win a PGA Tour event or be that status, I'd play that tournament every single year. Mm-hmm. No cut, Hawaii. All right, and I'm getting money. Sounds good to me. A hundred percent. Now, that comes from you and I who will be right. probably bundled up in the snow when that event's on TV. Well, yeah. And we're just drooling, staring at the television at Hawaii. So it's easy to say, but I'm with you too, man. I'd play that thing all the time. Yeah, so, so no, that was the takeaway. And then, um, boy, just after that second playoff hole, like, Spieth just could make the pots and that, the one in the first playoff hole. I don't know how that didn't go in, but it's just like, you know, when when I went to the third playoff hole, I immediately went to the DraftKings Sportsbook because I was kind of hoping that Fitzpatrick was still sitting like even money or something. It was minus 110 for both, but I was like, Fitzpatrick's going to get this one. And when he sticks that shot to like two feet, like it was just game over. How about the crowd too? The whole Ryder Cup. Those people oh, were wasted. Yeah. That was nothing but people on vacation who are on end of, I don't know what point of their vacation, but end of Sunday on a vacation and just absolutely tuned up at the golf tournament. And all of a sudden it just became a, 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 I don't know what it became. It became the live event, quite frankly. I don't know if you watched any of that. I did not, but, um. I know Hatton had a response after Fitzpatrick won. That was pretty funny. Like, yes, I do remember that him. too. Way to go get him or something. I, I, I chuckled at that. But hey, Hatton's on our mind because uh, Sam Harrop has a song on Hatton that came out today on Monday, and it is great. He's always on my mind, but that's uh, that's another thing altogether. Oh. I uh, I'm always cheering for my my man Terrell. Yes. 
Skeeter, anything from the rear view mirror before we take a look at the uh, Mexico Open at Vedanta? Um, I guess I'll go back to Zurich. We didn't really touch upon that one. That's true. Hardy and Riley. Riley's, you know, feels like for a while has been ex- trending towards a win. They were a popular bet, I think. This felt like a. I saw a lot of stuff on them. So when I went to go look, it's like thirty-five to one or forty-one. I was like that just uh, I I didn't see it. Um, happy for happy for of course my guy, uh, or not my guy, but Hardy being an Illinois grad. Um, he apparently was supposed to play with Dietrich, but then Dietrich went with oh who did he go with? Because I played that team. I have no clue. Victor Perez. So okay. then. Riley and Hardy decided to join up, and what a good move for them um, to win. And there wasn't even dramatics at the end either. Like, nobody were outside in those final groups really made a move. Yeah, that's 100% right. Uh, nobody really did. It was, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Skeeter. I turned on the live event for a little bit, and even though I knew what happened because it was uh, pre recorded in Australia, I probably spent the last hour of those. Uh, to broadcast on the live tournament more than the PGA tournament, quite frankly. Yeah, didn't Gooch nearly blow a ten shot lead? <laughs> yes, he did. He was ten. Uh, he was twenty under through two rounds, and then shot plus one, but still won uh, on in his third and final round. It was, I don't know. It was kind of entertaining. There was a ton of people there. Um, you know, Australia just doesn't get a lot of golf, and I could see, I could really see why the Aussies. Uh, Cam Smith even said, you know, a thing like this really makes that decision feel like the right decision because, uh, I mean, you know, clearly right. there's been some whatever going on. Uh, not that I'm, like, uh, turning into live golf guy, but it was entertaining. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't know how much of it I can take, though, with the music uh, on course. Like, I really don't enjoy that in my watching. It it seems more of a party than um, than a sporting event. But, yes, with there being, as I go back to it, with, you know, the basically it being in uh, – the, the tournament being over, I was watching that at the end. I mean, I, I can think of some other reasons why Cam Smith might have went to live, and sure, most, most of it involved some uh, the paper currency, stacks form. of paper. Yeah, but yeah. I I totally did did see a side of it where there were a ton of people at uh, Adelaide. I think is the name of the uh, the course there yeah. or the, the the place rather, and there were a ton of people there, and it looked like a good event. And I could see. The appeal to live golf by a person who's not from the United States and maybe playing a tournament that otherwise they never would in their home soil. So I don't know. Not that I'm uh, becoming a softie for the live guys, but um, it was there was an entertainment value to it this week. Okay, and then I think didn't the crowd go nuts when Chase Kepka had a hole in one? So they try to recreate um, the par three sixteenth at Waste Management with a uh, hole. I think it was the twelfth hole there called the watering hole. So everybody's hooting and hollering, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's a very similar feel. It's certainly not built up to the way, uh, waste management is. It might've been more in scale closer to like the, uh, the hockey rink hole. When we go to, oh. uh, the Cana- the Canadian, you know, the, where they're slapping the boards, yeah. maybe in, maybe in size and scope, it was a little bit more akin to that than the three layered build out at 16. But yeah, Chase Kepka gets a hole in one and the crowd went absolutely bonkers after they were already like hooting and hollering. It was kind of comical cause they were kind of like making noise to the backswing and front swing of the golfer. I don't know how much I would like it. Uh, but for a one-time viewing experience, it was it was entertaining. Yeah, I say that almost begrudgingly. 
Well, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, we we know why they did it, and, you know, we we don't like what it did to golf, but that doesn't mean that it's, you know, it still, I think, has a long way to go before it approaches PGA Tour thing. And, you sure. know, at some point, too, I think, you know, if this continues on for a couple of years, those players are going to have a real hard time getting into majors, which makes them even more, which makes it even more questionable as relevancy. I mean, obviously like DJ Reed and Cam Smith, Kepka have some exemptions. that will kind of get them through, but world golf rankings are eventually going to go through live. If this continues, I think, uh, live would have to go 72 holes then. Hmm. Okay. Because um, Zurich this week did not count for OWGR. Interesting. Okay. Because it was it's a alternate. I mean, just an alternate type of an event. So. Sure, I get that. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow or another Live Golf finds themselves a part of that. But uh, I don't know. That's a that's quite the tangent. But Skeeter, I was watching some Live Golf. And I figured I had to uh, confess my sins to you. I mean, I mean, I'm still not really watching it or anything like that, but, you know, teach their own. Like, I'm not here to judge you on it. Uh, I think there's going to be some innovations in the way the broadcast covers it that might change, too. If, uh, if uh, maybe it's just like some slight graphics. We saw the same thing with XFL, NFL, but I'm very, uh, I'm very interested in it from that angle, too. Just like, I don't know. What can I say? I mean, I'm interested in this whole thing that made the masters really fun. It's going to make the PGA championship here in a couple of weeks. Pretty fun too. But in the interim Skeeter, are we ready to get back to the PGA tour as it is? Yeah. One, th- one final thing about the live about you, cause you just mentioned the PGA championship. How much of live success was, cause who was, who it was Mickelson Reed and Kepka. Two of them are masters champions. Kepka's always contended there. How much of that's going to be familiar with the course versus, Going to where is it Oak Hill? For the yeah, I think game? that's right. Like that's that's a different course. Like it's not a course that they're overly familiar with. How much of that's going to play a role? That's what I'm actually a little curious about. I mean, the PGA Tour players and the Live players will be at the same disadvantage to the course knowledge, will they not? Yeah, but then the competitiveness, like. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a good point. It oh. didn't seem to be a factor at Augusta. Yeah, they, they seem to be motivated at Augusta to bring home the green jacket. And while they didn't get the job done, they peppered the leaderboard. Yeah, I'm also going to be curious how many of them are U.S. Open qualifying if they're not already exempt. I mean, because I mean, that's nothing new that we see pros in qualify. Uh, Danny McCartney. No, Joel Damon was a qualifier. That was on the whole Netflix special. Oh, OK. He qualified for the U.S. Open that he uh, ended up finishing top 10 in. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that definitely is something that happens. Longest day of golf, 36 holes. And I don't even think I'll be in Florida for that one. So I won't, I won't, I won't be able to pay attention. Well, I bet you'll I'll, 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 I'll help you keep an eye on it. Thank you. Yeah. Be <laughs> Skeeter, what do you say we go to the Mexico open at Vedanta? Yeah. There might've been a reason why we were talking you know, 11 and a half minutes about, uh, other golf stuff because it's uh, not, not exactly the most entertaining field. Well, um, I guess we'll start with the fact that uh, this is only the second time that this tournament's taken place here. Um, John Rahm won last year. That's your course history. I mean, the the crew, uh, the crew that was there. Like, I don't know. Can we can we look at John Rahm and Kitty Yama and say, 
all right, guys with uh, big hind hind ends and big legs are are going to win this. Is that is there? What, what are we making out of this? Yeah, um, distance. Apparently, coming out of this driving distance was one thing that kind of got mentioned as something that could be um, something to factor in. Ball striking was big, so it's probably you know your approach, your off the tee, par fives kind of popped up a little bit. Three putt avoidance, which is an odd one, but yeah, yeah. A lot of proximity shots from 200 plus yards, so that was a factor. But outside of that, I don't know really what we take away from a one year sample. So there are four par fives, but if um, you mentioned the hockey rink, do you, I'm trying to forget what the name of that course was. The one that um, that Jonathan Vegas won back to back on. It's no longer used in the Canadian Open rotation. Um, I have no clue. But anyway, it was interesting, because you mentioned that, because when I was looking at the scorecard, three of the par fives of the four par fives happened on the final seven holes, just like that Canadian course was, and I can't think of it. But you have par fives on 12, 14, and 18. So when you, when we get to the end on Sunday, going to the back nine, the fact there's still three par fives could be interesting. I don't remember if elevation is a thing here. Um, I know it was Mexico City. I don't know what it's like in Vallarta. But, um. Looking at the map, my guess is no. And my vague memories of last year is no. Because it's a it's a very coastal, like, low-lying, f- seemingly flat-lying area. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I don't... It doesn't mean that there aren't undulations. But to my knowledge, it's nothing like uh, Chapultepec. Okay. Okay, so, yeah, I didn't know on that one, but... I mean, the par fives, 603, 637, 585, 548. <laughs> Seven is a 297-yard par four, so. But there's also a 520-yard par um, par four, so. The front line looks to be the tougher, maybe? I don't know. No, 16, 17 are the two of the four toughest holes. 18 is the second easiest, so. I don't know, this could be an interesting finish, but should be. And I mean if you and again you look at last year, a very interesting finish in that you had a bunch of guys bunched up at sixteen under with Rom winning at seventeen under, so I'd certainly love to see that kind of finish again this year. Yeah, as far as stats go, I'm looking at ball striking approach. I'm looking at the scoring stats, birdies, opportunities, even drafting scoring. The proximity from two hundred plus yards certainly did make an appearance, so I'm going to Certainly look at that, uh, driving distance a little bit, and then I'll look at the par four and par five strokes gains. But, um, yeah, let's just say without John Rahm, this is probably a glorified, I mean, this is probably the John Deere classic with John Rahm. And, I mean, I love myself um, the John Deere classic, but it's never the strongest fields, and neither is this. And yeah. When we get to the 9K, when we mention some of these 9K names, oof. Oof is right. Um, oof is right. Well, Skeeter, are you ready to get into those names? Yeah, and I guess one other thing, Davis Riley and um, Nick Hardy, who won, they have both withdrawn, so there should be red withdrawals by their names and DraftKings. So, Skeeter, we normally go 10K plus to start. There's mm-hmm. only two golfers in that tier, but frankly, they separate themselves to such an extent that I'm not sure that we can talk about Wyndham Clark in the same tier as Finau and Rom. So what are you doing up top? Are you trying to squeeze in both by any chance? 
Um, both obviously great finishes last year and both distance players that could gobble up those par fives. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, my favorite is Rom. If I can only use one, I'm going to use Rom because right now he is the alpha male on tour. What are you doing here with these guys? So here's my thoughts. You know, when I'm when I was thinking about this today, before I saw pricing, I was like, if Rom is at thirteen thousand, I'm playing him. He's twelve, I'm playing him. I am not going the Rom Finau approach. I think that leaves things too thin. And I think this is my argument against Finau. Uh, was it Heritage or somewhere like that? He, I mean, he's making cuts. He's having nice finishes, but we don't have a top ten on him since the Farmers. Mm-hmm. Granted, the worst is 31st, but if I'm going to fade Rom, I need somebody with a little more upside the way they're playing right now. I'm not saying Fino doesn't have that upside. He, of course, does. But the form is just enough that I'm not sure I want to sacrifice my entire lineup and start digging in the sixes and low sevens. I mean, I have a couple sixes I like, but I'm not sure I want to really go there to play Rom Finau together. Like, I think there's better ways to allocate salary this week, in my opinion. Of course, if I, I play three lineups, I'll probably try to squeeze that in there one time. And you know what? That's probably not a terrible idea. It's but, just not something I'm really interested in doing. But if I do that, I will have a Rom only lineup too. And then maybe I'll have a lineup with neither of them. I have trouble thinking I don't go just ROM all three lineups myself if yeah. I go that route. So I think we're aligned on there. Are you ready to take it to the nine Ks? Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say I think I'm only <laughs> sorry. I'm only playing one lineup, but if I was playing three, ROM's a lock button. Yeah, I, I think that might make sense too. Uh, and just, I don't care if he's sixty percent or whatever. I there I just don't see the depth of this field being able to figure like somebody might get ROM. But he would have to be on his C game to not finish top 10 in this field. If he's 60% owned, you're only 40% overweight with him. Right, but still. But, <laughs> fine, you know, fine, I'm hedge. cool with that. I'll, pl- I'll place five bucks on him to miss the cuts and whatever those odds are. Which are probably astronomical. I've yet to look into very much of that. But uh, let's take – Oops, sorry. Have you seen his number at the book yet? <laughs> no. What do you is think it, th- it is? Three to one. I last saw it plus 260. Like, how nuts is that? He's minus money for a top five in a field of uh, 140 or whatever it is. He's plus 225, uh, the book that I go go to. Um, That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Then Finau, seven, and then Wyndham Clark's 18. Yep. And Gary Gary Woodland's 28, and that is pretty indicative of what this field is. Yeah, I see Woodland at 25, but yeah, and I have Fina seven and a half, but yeah, just, I mean, ugh. Interesting. Um, Tells you why it's probably a good idea to lock button, Rom, Um, but why everybody else is probably doing it, too. I mean, hey, look, there's game theory reasons to say not to play Rom, but uh, this doesn't feel like the game theory week for me. No, not after the interview at, uh, at Heritage. Quite frankly, like no. not after just the things he said at Heritage. I can't. I, I wouldn't fade him. I'm with no. you. Um, the nine Ks we go to. It's Wyndham Clark at 97. Gary Woodland's 96. Nikolai Hoygaard 95. Mav McNeely 94. Patrick Rogers 93. Taylor Pendrith 92. Benny Odds 91. And Alex Noren 9K even. Skeeter, that is your glorified Corn Fairy Tour event almost. What are you doing here? 
I only have one guy starred because, again, if I'm playing ROM, I'm not, and I'm only playing one lineup, I'm not really diving in a little bit. I'm going to take a chance on Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, he's had a, he's had a good, I mean, he's 20th at Texas, but, and he was second at Putacana, but he's making cuts on the DP World Tour, fifth at Thailand, like, 10th at Abu Dhabi. I don't see a missed cut this year for him, like, He's one of the better, I mean, he's going to be a better player in this field, four top tens on the year. I mean, this field can't be that much different than, than a, a DP World Tour event. So, for me, I, I think it's just Hoygaard. Like, he's my guy that I'm going to take from here. I got to go Wyndham Clark as my favorite. Yeah, um, yeah. Just He's had some good, I mean, certainly this is no different than Putacana where he was sixth. I mean, 29th in the elevated event at Heritage, 27th at the Players uh, 34th at API, and then, of course, the uh, 5th at Valspar. I mean, the guy's just yeah. playing on another level, and quite frankly, uh, I mean, I could argue that he should be. And granted, he's third with Davis Riley out. I should argue he could, I could argue he could be ahead of Finau in pricing, but name value is certainly not there yet. No, and, I mean, with Wyndham, too. I mean, he was in contention with Bo Hausler at Zurich, so, mm -hmm. you know, no, he's playing phenomenally. I'm, I'm just... I, I think Hoygaard's got more upside because he's won at least over on over in Europe. Well, you know, I don't think Wyndham Clark's won yet, so that's my only reason. And I also would suspect that that Hoygaard is not going to be as popular as Clark. Is there anything else in this tier for you? I mean, Gary Woodland's somewhat tempting just because there's at least, okay, he's at least a name. He won the U.S. Open on the Pacific coast of the oh, North America. Maybe yeah. it was a little further north, but, I mean, you could make a geographic argument there. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I, I mean, look, his performance has been fine. You know, 31st at Heritage, 14th at Masters, 45th Valspar, 54th Players. Did have a 9th at Genesis, but I just... At 9600 that's just not a price I'm, I want to use for a player who's been playing fine but just doesn't have those top-end finishes. And I think he was good here a year ago. Um, yeah, T24, but just not somebody I'm into. But I, I get it if you want to go there. I'm a Gary Woodland guy, but I'm not. Uh, the other guy I would go to is Patrick Rogers, who had a decent finish here last year. He was 10th. And uh, he's had a couple of okay finishes here lately. Where are we at with Patrick Rogers? Yeah. Uh, 19th at Heritage and 5th at Valero. So 36 at Valspar. I mean, in this field right now, uh, I mean, there's a there's a guy, there's guys in this range that are missed, have missed the last couple of cuts here in the 9K. So, like, Patrick Rogers has been consistent for this group of players. He's my fade and it has nothing to do with Ooh. stats. It's just because I never get him right. Fair enough. Every time I play him, it's still like this. Oh, he's in good form, looking good, misses a cut, and I don't. So that's just one of those I don't get him right, so I'm not playing him. It's 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 bad reasoning, but no, I can get I can get with that. Uh, I can get with that. Um, I'm fading Taylor Pendrith, although there's a couple of guys in this tier I won't play because uh, I probably won't play McNeely either. But Pendrith, I mean, we're talking about T69 is his best finish since February. Uh, I'll pass at 9,200. No, thank you. Why is he up here? Did he do something last year here? No, he didn't play this. What, so why is he 9,200 then? I was going to say, I don't see any Canadian flags at the top of this thing. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't get that one. He seems madly mispriced. Seven Maybe World Golf years. Ranking? I don't know. I mean, I know he had a hot spell uh, a while ago. I mean, for McNeely, he missed at Heritage, but other than that, I mean, seventh at Sony, he had a good fall. Like, he's had good results, but yeah, it's, again, this is just... Why are we messing around with some of these guys when, as you said, Clark is playing well? Woodland, at least, has shown form and has a pedigree. He's and making Ho- cuts. And Hoygarden, I think, just has massive upside. Well, I think we're in somewhat of a unison here in the 9Ks. Are we ready to take it to 8K? Yep. Aaron Rise, 89. Bo Hostler, 88. 8,700, Andrew Putnam. Martin, 86. Grillo, 85. Smalley, 84. Higo, 83. Brandon Wu, 83 as well. Jaeger, 82. S.H. Kim, 82. Matt Wallace is 81. Hubbard's 81. Shelton. And is it AK? And is it MJ Duffy? I'm not really sure how I, I say that. Duffy. Duffy? Okay. Uh, is it 8K as well? And I can tell you, I've seen the South African play, but I can't say his name. So there you go. Skeeter, there's your AKs. What are we doing here? Hey, at least Team South Africa made a cut last week. Cause, uh, I'm a sucker for Team South Africa at uh, partner events. Are you going to be a sucker for Team South Africa in the AKs? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, <laughs> ben Martin, at 8,600. I suspect he'll be popular. Um. Eighth at Putacana, tenth Valero, forty-first at Heritage. His last three hasn't missed a cut since the Farmers. Was good at Pebble, good at Honda. So that those maybe potentially fit here. Um, he's just playing really well right now. The approach is there. When I when I pull him up stat wise, where is he at here? Oh yeah, he ranks at like top five from a range of eight to fifty rounds in this field. Which again, I realize this is the field, but. He rates up really well, ball striking approach, all the scoring stats, putting, and par four, par five. So, you know, he's about he's slightly below average on driving distance and proximity for 200 plus. That's okay. 8600, I think, is a fair price on him. Am I crazy to say that this 8K tier is way more appealing than the 9K tier? Nope. Not even from price. Like, if they were all the same pricing. Right. Like, that's, that, that's my whole argument. Why it wasn't on, like, what's really the difference between Taylor Pendriff and, I don't know, Matt Wallace. I mean, Wallace is at least one. I was going to say Matt Wallace has won recently. Bo Hossler's playing good. Aaron Rye's making cuts. The difference is those guys are more appealing at the same price point. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, <laughs> as I'm just looking at early ownership here on Monday nights, like, nobody's playing Pendrith. Nobody's playing Norin. Nobody's playing Putnam and Hostler. Everybody else kind of fits from, you know, people are on Clark and Woodland and Hoygaard. But from about Benny on all the way down, there's no, there, you know, at least if you're looking for like ownership discount, it's not there. They're all kind of in the same range right now. Well, pick your poison then. Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite. There's a group of guys that I like. I'm afraid that I'm going to be uh, silly, but I'm going to go with one of my faves is Aaron Rye from a year ago. He's at the top of the tier here. He's just making cuts. I mean, it hasn't been – it wasn't great at RPC Heritage, but guess what? It was pretty good at Valero. It was good at the players. Uh, We've seen Aaron Rye 
get to the top of leaderboards. This is like a glorified Corn Ferry event, right? Aaron Rye's been very good on the Corn Ferry Tour before he got uh, uh, to the U.S. or uh, not to the U.S. Excuse me, to the PGA Tour. So I'm going to go there. Certainly has um, a T24 last year. Has that mm. upside like Hoygaard, a little cheaper. And uh, look, I I can play Aaron Rye anytime. I've had a lot of success playing him, and I think he's a good player. So I'm not going to talk you off of that. He's not on my radar this week. I might bet him just because I'm I don't want to miss out on the Aaron Rye win, and this would be about as good a spot as you could do it. Um, let me let me pull up the because there was one that oh yeah past couple of turns. Grio is starting to pop up again. Let's talk about another mm-hmm. guy that I don't always get right. Seven that Heritage, most of us around the green, but some made cuts before that, so maybe he has figured something out? Question mark? Possibly. He's a guy I used to uh used to play more than I do currently. Um keep I'll keep my eye on him. What about Higo here? Uh been playing okay. He's been playing okay at 8,300. I kind of feel like this is a, you know, I'd have rather maybe seen a better a better um, result from Valspar or Valero. But, I mean, T48 at RBC Heritage, that kind of play in this field probably returns at 8,300 value. I feel like he can move the ball a little bit. He's won on some uh, coastal areas before. My concern, yeah, didn't he win like twice in the Canary Islands and then, mm-hmm. yeah. My issue here is that he's lost his past two tournaments. His strokes gain approach minus four, minus five point three, hmm. not trending the right way for me. Yeah, certainly not. So that'd be my knock off him. Um, I mean, Matt Wallace rates out okay, but his recent form starting to dip. Probably that post winners win, but did he win on one of these coastal courses? Yeah, but Takana, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, seventh at Valspar, one at Takana, twentieth at Valero. Horrible week at Heritage, but you know that's gonna happen. It happens. I don't mind Walls eighty one. I don't think I get there, but yeah. Anything else uh, that strikes your fancy here? Not really. Yeah, I'm not so sure at this point. I have anybody else I might end up on, but I'm not so sure I've got anybody now. Who are you fading from up here? Everybody, I'm not maybe the entire range. Um, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to throw one more. I'm going to go back to MJ Duffy as somebody you take a look at. 15th of Valero was, he made the cut last week. 20th of Punta Cana, 19th of Valspar, 64th of Puerto Rico. He's made six straight cuts, and there's a lot of water. There's a few coastal courses on there. Maybe MJ, I mean, again, paying 8K for MJ Duffy is probably hard to swallow, but he does rate out decently well. I mean, in this field, you got you got to spend it on somebody. Yeah. Who you, uh, do you have a fade for me? Uh, if not, I have one. For I mean, you. I'll make it Steven Yeager. Okay. I'm going to go with Smalley, who was uh, sixth here last year. And I'm like, ah, oh, he's missed a couple cuts. His, his missed cut at, at Heritage, not so bad, minus one. Uh, Valero, plus three. So he hasn't been terrible, but he's missed cuts and hasn't done a lot. So I'm going to go with Smalley. Maybe he'll get some love because of his uh, T6 last year. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of part of that tier. Right on the eights, it's like Rye, Martin, Griot, Smalley, Brandon Wu, Steven Yeager, Matt Wallace, and MJ Duffy are all kind of floating between 9 and 14%. Skeeter, are we going to the 6Ks? 
No, oh, the seven Ks. Excuse I me. I remember the sevens first. I, I was reading these names and thinking I was in the six Ks. Well, well, that's fair. That's a nice cover up, honestly. Uh, hey, I'm going to hey. give myself the Barry Horowitz there. Absolutely. That was, I, I thought it was well done. <laughs> that was a nice cover up. All right, let's go 7K, Skeeter. We're going to have to find some people we like here. I think there's some names that interest me, all with a lot of warts. What are you looking at? All right. I got a guy that I usually he starts playing well. I want to jump on. And, well, it doesn't hurt that he actually had a decent finish here last year. Where was he? He, uh, T13. He's coming off a 6th at Valero, 11th at Heritage, where his irons are on fire. The putters woke up a little bit. Give me some Chez Remy. Okay. Um, 7,700. Like, he rates out very well in the short-term models, but even over 24 rounds, good ball striker, good approach, good opportunities, good in the proximity for 200-plus yards. Like, those are things I want to see. Uh, hopefully, he can make some putts. Driving distance might be a little bit of an issue, but we've seen him kind of contend before at events that driving distance might be something. But he's one I tend tend to like to play when he when things when he's in decent form. He fits here, and again, why you know is he is he that? I mean, what's the difference between Mark Hubbard and him? Um, I mean, just a few dollars, right? Like, I just don't really think it's that big of a deal, but. I'm with you. I mean, I could make the, uh, well, we won't go back to that U.S. Open again because Ches Revy was good there. And I'm not so sure Pebble Beach is really the comp course. I'm just thinking about no. the West Coast because I'm an idiot. Um, Skeeter, I'm going to have some interest in Eric Cole here. Um, maybe uh, the magic is gone, but I am going to have a little interest in him after uh, a pretty poor Corn Ferry performance, quite frankly. Well, Miscott at any rate. Um, I like Harry. What's that? He played a Corn Ferry event? Uh, yeah, not too long ago. It was in between in early April. Yes, like two weeks ago. So, because he was oh. at, uh, he was at, uh, oh, what you call it? Um, he was also at the team event that just happened, Zerk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was at the team event. But yes, he played a, he missed the cut at a, on, uh, the Corn Ferry tour in between. But I'm going to take a peek at Eric Cole all the same. What about my boy, Harry Hall? Uh, 7,400. He has been putting some nice performances together, minus the miscut at Valspar. I mean, Puerto Rico, 7th, 13th, Butacana, 20th at Valero. He's just doing all this. I mean, his approach numbers in the registered events have not been good. Valero was all around the green, so not for me. Um, I might go back to Luke List. Like he, he at least threw two rounds, him and Norlander, Showed a little bit of something last week. And, I mean, this is a risky thing just because he's his recent form is not good, but he he's another one that just has upside. And maybe that's just mm-hmm. the way I'm going this week is just try to take some upside plays. Like, I don't know who the heck to play after Rom. So let's throw some guys who at least I think have some upside who are winners, at least up to this point for me, that I'll take a chance on them. I mean, you could say the same about Cam Champ then. At, I know as bad as it's been, I mean, he does have the game that fits here. He's been so bad. Uh, I'm not going to take the chance, but I could make that same argument That's fair. Um, down at the bottom. That's fair. Um, I mean, we'll go with John, former John Deere winner, Michael Kim. I mean, he's always making cuts. I mean, he's he was fifth at Puerto Rico, 11th at Pebble Beach. Has uh, 26 Putacana, so he's done well in these alternate, alternate field events. 
he's making cuts at 7,300. Like, rates out well, and birdies are better. Trafficking, scoring opportunities, gain, good par four, good approach, and ball striker. Like, this feels like a steal in this field. I'm obviously going to make my uh, case for a Charlie Hoffman and a Harry Higgs. But what about Jimmy Walker at 7,100? That seems like uh, that should gain a lot of steam, I would guess. It's two tournaments. Like, it's hard for me to – I mean, great at Valero. Um, I just can't do it. Okay. Or good at Heritage, too. Um, I can, but I understand. It, as you said, it is two tournaments. I mean, Batia for some upside? I'm, like, recently uh, snake bit with him, but yes – I mean, you mentioned Charlie Hoffman. I don't think he's up to, I, don't, I think he's fine in this field. Um, I, I do think he is fine in this field, quite frankly. It's a good price for him. I mean, Streelman? Yes, yes, yes. made three yes, cuts in yes. a row. Yes, I don't know if he's got the game to win this thing, but his price no. at 7300 I think he's got a, I think he could easily top 20 this thing. I mean, I know who I'd love to play right in this price range, but I, I'm not sure I can get on Frankie. Uh, Luke Donald was teamed up with his brother, Eduardo. Oh, what yeah. is that? What does that mean? Does that mean Eduardo's going to be a, uh, I vice think, captain yeah. in Rome? Yeah. Okay. Did you see who they were paired with the first two days? No, I did not. Stricker and Zach Johnson. Oh no, I didn't see that. That makes sense though, right? Yeah. That's a good pairing. No, I didn't see a whole lot of, uh, the early week coverage. Okay. Yeah. Um, outside of that, it's like, it's. It's getting thin here. I mean, I agree. Sean O'Hare. I, I mean, I was not expecting to mention his name, but he was kind of popping up a little bit. I mean, he was involved last. I think he uh, maybe he's here because of the performance in Zurich, but 29th at Putacana, 19th at Valspar. Like, he's at least had a couple decent alternate field events, but. Uh, Is there a fade for you here? Yeah. Um, sure. Let's just, you know what? Forget it. It's it's Camera Champ. You know what's funny is I was going to say, even though I said I could make the case for him, I was thinking Camera Champ's really my fade. Because, uh, what, what is it, Masters Week, I think I used him? He was yeah. even my D-golfer in that uh, in one of those sheets. Not that I ever had a chance of winning. But uh, you know what? I'm actually with you. I'm fading him, too, because he was, what, T6 a year ago and certainly has the distance off the T to win this, to, to, to use those par fives. But I'm with you. Uh, Skeeter, are we going 6K? Well, yeah, I mean, look, you. I know you're going all the way down to 6K for somebody. <laughs> Maybe. I Normally, mean, that's the extra lineup for Charlie Hoffman, but uh, he's in he's in real lineup contention this week, so yeah, maybe. I mean, look, it's your boy Boo Weekly. We don't get to see much of him, so. We do not get to see Boo Weekly very often, and this is a great time to see him. So I, I have a couple plays in the 6Ks. Um, I mean, I this guy's all over the place, but he tends to, I mean, he's, uh, let's see. He's three for six of making cuts. At least had a pulse in the fall a little bit. It's Kadira. Mm -hmm. I mean, his approach numbers are great. It's just whether or not the putter actually wants to come a little bit. Like, And again, another guy who we have seen win... So I don't, you know, that'd be my justification there. And then another one that just apparently does have some upside. And I think he popped, yeah, he popped at uh, 
at Heritage because I was, you know, I, I played Cam Young, you know, it was my one and done that week, but it was Carson Young that was the better one. He was 19th there, 30th at Putacana, missed at Valero, missed at Valspar, third at Puerto Rico, 20th at Honda. He at least shows some decent finishes for a 6K golfer, and in this field, you know, that's just kind of where I'm leaning. Um, the other one that kind of popped a little bit was Chris Stroud. He had some good numbers. Um, 30th at Putacana, 15th at Puerto Rico, 5th if you want to go back to last year, the RSM. So those are kind of the only three guys in that 66 dollars $6,700 range. I didn't find anybody else that really intrigued me. I mean, I can make uh, the Aaron Baddeley, Hank Lebiota case at 6900 um, those guys honestly are as intriguing to me as anybody at seven K, uh, maybe not 7,100, but seven K anyway. Um, so I like those two. Tano Goya is at 6,700, the Argentine. He's only missed the cut at Valspar going back to, uh, February. Now, obviously he's only playing in lesser events like this one that he's getting into, but, um, a little closer to home. I don't know if there is any type of motivation, uh, in that regard, but. I'm always down to make a case. You mentioned going all the way down, Skeeter. What if we go all the way down to the Kentuckian J.B. Holmes? He's got distance off the tee. He has made a couple of cuts here recently uh, at Honda and Genesis. I know it wasn't great. He's 6,100. I guess if I wanted to go Finau, Rom, he could be that upside 6,100 player that allows me to get some other decent players rather than a bunch of 7K-ish players in. Oh, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're going to say. I know you're so anti-JB Holmes, but, I mean, he does have distance off the tee. <laughs> he does. I mean, plays his skill set. I mean, have I ever played, you know, former guys we used to consider every week, but Kyle Stanley's at least made three of his past four cuts. Yeah. But... I don't know. That's all I've got for you. I would, uh, I mean, if I was going down to the bottom, I'd I'd be feeling like I really must like the five that I'm playing to go that far. And, and you can play Boo Weekly. I mean, but man, there are some names here from the past, like Arjun Atwal, Ted Potter, Kevin Stadler, um, Kyle Reefers. Man, I used to play him when I first started DFS. Golf. Jeff Ogilvie's in a field. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at that one. William McGirt. Oh man, there are some names here. Great Chalmers. Well, once they, uh, Ricky once, Barnes, huh. I just saw that one. What about your boy, Scott Brown? I'm still mad that him and Kisner didn't play together last week. So yeah, I forget who I saw Kisner was t- teamed with. And I was like, well, that, no, that team no, didn't happen. It was Brown Brown played was, or Brown was okay. My bad. I mean, Ryan Moore can't make a cut, but boy, he's another one I could play. Like, I mean, you know what? I might throw a dollar on Ricky Barnes first round leader just cause. He kind of randomly pops sometimes in that market. Well, I um, I wish you the best in that regard. Is there a is there a serious fade for six K? No. no, I don't have one. I do. It's Lucas Glover. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. It's sixty nine hundred. I did say I already like two guys at that mm-hmm. price tag, so I would not play him uh, over the other two I picked just because. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not the worst play. I mean, Okay. It's really not, but every time I do that, you know what happens, and so he's on the list. Yeah. Well, I mean, so at Heritage, is this, okay, this is classic Lucas Glover at Heritage. 
He gained 1.2 strokes off the tee, gained 3.2 on approach. He lost six around the green. He lost 5.8 putting. Like, yeah. he's actually not that terrible of a play, but I get, yeah, maybe it's the same reason. Who did I ban earlier? Because, like, oh, Patrick Rogerson. I don't get yes. him right. Because I was like, wait a minute. I think that's a great play up there. Right. Hey, the difference here is Lucas Glover is like $2,500 cheaper. That's that's fair. That is fair. Um, well, Skeeter, we go from DraftKings to one and done. Oof. So I went, of course, it's been a while since we've had a, a pick. I went with Victor Hovland at mm-hmm. RBC Heritage. At one point, I was way up the leaderboard when he was winning. Mm-hmm. And all I'm going to say is that from that, I take away that even though I'm now at 1700th place, I was at one point in the 300s. Boy, just got to pick a winner. Like, it's we still got a lot of golf to play. Pick a winner, pick a couple of top fives in a row, and you're not, nobody's out of this thing because I saw how much it could have moved me up the leaderboard. Now, granted, this event pays less than half of RBC heritage. So mm-hmm. maybe the pep talk is more for next week than this week. But I am going to say that when I saw that, I go, Oh heck, I still got a chance at this thing. It's not time to go crazy yet. At least that's my thought. What's yours? Is Wells Fargo elevated next week? Oh, without knowing, I feel like the next event after today's this week's was, um, yes, it is. I've already used Rory and Raw or Rory and Homa too. Dang it! Yes, it is. It's twenty k uh, purse, the same as Heritage. This week's purse is seven point seven. Okay, I have Rom available. I am not using Rom. Um, I have Finau available. I am not using him. I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna take a chance on somebody, and it's gonna be Hoygaard. This is definitely take a chance week. Uh, I might take a chance with Patrick Rogers. I don't have yeah. Finau. I do have Rom. I'm not using Rom. I might use Wyndham Clark. He's 95% owned or available still. I mean, I guess the only other like conversation pieces, you know, do you go to uh, Putnam because he's only 90% owned? The answer is no. Um, I don't think there's any like there's there's any move or leverage in this week. I think it's just trying to get some money and really move on to next week. If, if, uh, if I could be, you know, just hopeful and not a total dud, I don't have to get the winner this week. Right now, if you're down, like if you're in like the two, three thousands or, you know, you're in the bottom third, then you might have to use ROM. Cause this is what I did a year ago. I was in that position. I used ROM and it kind of set me up for, I got JT, at the PGA. And I think that's somebody else in, Eventually, I cashed because of that. So, where I'm at, I'm in like 269th place. I have, you know, I'm saving Rob for some different times, but there could be a justification for using him here or there. But other than that, if you're not going Rob, you're not going Finau, find somebody you think can win and take the zero, but also take the upside chance. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you. Now all I got to do is find the guy with the upside chance and not the zero. Right, same here, but what I'm saying is that, you know, give me somebody with win equity. I at least feel like Hoygaard has that. I'm not taking, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not taking somebody who I don't think can win just because, oh, I want I want a safe T15. That doesn't, that's not going to do me any good here. 
I get you. It's definitely not going to do you a whole <laughs> lot here this week. Skeeter, do we have anything else for the Mexico Open? I don't think so. I, th- I think we're back, hopefully, on a regular schedule at this point after, you know, we've had some ups and downs and that involves me being gone and things like that. But I think we're, we should be on a regular schedule for a while until I go to Florida. Well, I'm uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this week and uh, looking forward to the, uh, the the Pacific Ocean views. And well, Skeeter, hopefully looking forward to a cash, but that all remains to be seen. Well, that's every week, right? Like, <laughs> of course, the, it is. You get to Wednesday, like, okay, I like this lineup, and then by by Friday afternoon, it's like, uh, why did I play this guy? It is the continual carrot that I chase. Yep. <laughs> well, Skeeter, good luck to you this week, my man. Same to you. Good luck to everybody else. Appreciate you joining us. For Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. This is the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast.